credit scores, down payments, interest rates. Car buying can be a numbers game, but you don't have to be a math expert to get the keys to your dream car. Just use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. Crunch your numbers and get personalized results so you know exactly how much you'll pay each month for your car. It's like having a magic wand for your wallet. Presto! The car you've been wanting is now within reach. So hit the road and leave your calculator at home. Auto Trader. Hey, and welcome to The Short Stuff. I'm Josh, and that's Chuck, and we're flying solo today. And that's okay, because we've got something to say. Mostly, this is short stuff. <laughs> you really bailed on that one, didn't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, this is about selling the Brooklyn Bridge, which I I think I'd heard that this was a thing in history at some point. But uh, big thanks to the New York Times, uh, HowStuffWorks.com, and NYCWalks.com to bring us the story of George C. Parker, uh, a man who sold the the, Brook, the Brooklyn Bridge <laughs> many times over, as well as some other notable New York places. You know, Yitzi would be okay with leaving that. <laughs> oh, man. Yitzi's going to become a regular part of the show, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, George C. Parker was like a, a con man extraordinaire. Like, this guy, supposedly, he at least he claimed to have sold the Brooklyn Bridge multiple times a week, every week for years. That's how good he was. Which is probably not the true. Cre- no, that is almost certainly not true. But it is documented that he did sell, successfully sell, the Brooklyn Bridge to a number of suckers over the years. Like, it wasn't just a one-time thing. Just once would have made him a legend. But the fact that this guy did it over and over again is really something. Yeah, and apparently this used to be a thing, and not just the Brooklyn Bridge. But you were in a situation in the, you know, sort of latish 1800s in New York City where you had— Millions of immigrants coming through uh, Ellis Island who were uh, hopeful. Uh, Many of them were poor, but not all of them because you had to have some Mm -hmm. money to buy the Brooklyn Bridge. Although sometimes they sold these things for like not very much money, which is even sadder. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they were were targets. They were sort of greenhorn targets. And uh, some of them did have money, though. And they would use, I think, like – uh, I guess scouts or something. What would you call that? Someone to kind of like hang informants. Yeah, informants at Ellis Island that could maybe be paid off to pass along information. Like, hey, this immigrant came in. They think America is the land of opportunity. They're really excited, and they got a little cash in their pocket. Right. So the whole jam was with Parker's uh, Brooklyn Bridge scam was he would find one of these people, a well-heeled immigrant who just thought of America as a land of opportunity and um, thought that this was a golden opportunity. Uh, He would find them and and show them, you know, some sort of uh, deed that said that he owned the Brooklyn Bridge and he wanted to unload it. So he would sell it to somebody and, and just basically tell them, like, it's not just owning the Brooklyn Bridge, which is amazing enough. You can charge a toll and you could make your money back in like a month and then just get rich from there. And that was how apparently he actually attracted people. Yeah. And all this stuff is so – it's very easy in 2022 to say, well, why didn't they say, well, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you making this money? Why aren't there tolls and things like that? And who knows the answer? I think it was just a different time period. Um, as far as tolls on the bridge, uh, they did used to charge when it first opened. It cost a penny to cross by to to walk over the Brooklyn Bridge by foot. 
uh, a nickel if you had a horse uh, and a rider, 10 cents for a horse and wagon, and then uh, extra money for farm animals if you were, you know, toting your farm animals, which is very funny to think about now. Uh, across, <laughs> across the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah. So there was there was at least a history where an immigrant may have heard that this was the case. Uh, they stopped doing this in 1891, and I think even the roadway tolls went away in 1911. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they didn't stop it until 1891. So if it's 1892 or three, then mm-hmm. you could sort of forgive someone for believing it. Yeah, plus they were still charging those roadway tolls uh, for for decades longer. So, yeah, I think the very presence of tolls on the Brooklyn Bridge made people think like, oh, okay, yeah, this is a thing. This guy owns this bridge. I'm going to take over this enterprise from him. Yeah, and another thing you have to think about is the Brooklyn Bridge is very large, and it would be very easy to walk someone up there and maybe even show them a toll booth uh, Mm -hmm. without arousing suspicion, without getting caught, without, uh, you know, them necessarily – thinking they needed to go over and verify anything with the toll bridge. Yeah, imagine also if you had an in with one of the toll booth operators, you could oh, go introduce sure. them as your employee, you know. Yeah, I'm bringing in money hand of a fist here. <laughs> <laughs> right. The other thing about the Brooklyn Bridge, too, and, and like you said, people sold other stuff, monuments, plots of land and parks in New York City, basically anything you can imagine that they didn't own. But the Brooklyn Bridge in particular was like the scam because it was such a monument in America at the time of the turn of the 20th century. Like there was the Statue of Liberty and the Brooklyn Bridge. And that was like the two big symbols of America. So people wanted to own it as well. The idea of owning this huge symbol of America. I just got off the boat from Croatia <laughs> and now I'm, I own one of two symbols of America. Um, you, you could imagine how somebody would jump at that opportunity if they if they really Really thought that this guy was legit. Sure. And uh, I think a lot of times he would just do it to make a few hundred bucks at a time to some real greenhorn. But apparently, it's legend has it, he got up to $50,000, which I did not uh, fail to do the calculation. Did you happen to do that? Shamefully, no. I don't know why we didn't do that. That's, let's, just, let's just say it's $10 million today. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of money today. Yeah. I'll bet I'm right, too. Should we take a break? Yes, let's take a break and figure out how much that is. All right. If you want to know, then you're in luck. Just listen up to Josh and Chuck. Stuff you should know. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe 
Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stuff you should know. Stuff you should know. So we're back, Chuck, and I was essentially right. Oh, well, how much was it? Uh, so I said 10 million, right? You said 10 million. Uh, it turns out it's, um, it looks like it's about 50 million. No. No, f- <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Let's see. One, two, three. One, two, three. No, it's five million. Counting zeros? Five million. Okay. That's a, geez. He really took somebody then. Yeah. Imagine (laughs) losing five million dollars buying the Brooklyn Bridge because, again, like you're an immigrant, you're not really kind of hip to how things work here yet. Imagine going to the cops and them being like, you're you're joking. Like you just gave somebody five million dollars to buy the Brooklyn Bridge. Like that had to hurt, like just add insult to injury. Yeah. And you know, there was some wife in that decision that was going, you idiot, that's every penny we have, and some husband going, it'll be worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I also just bought some magic beans. Right. Uh, Here's one thing that's pretty interesting is this became so common because it wasn't just George Parker doing this. Um, There's one story that we couldn't quite get to the bottom of that there was someone named William McClowney, a.k.a. I.O.U. O'Brien, (laughs) who did this, but then other people have said, no, that was actually an alias of Parker. But there were definitely people, this was a not the most common thing, but it was a grift that other people did to the extent that eventually on Ellis Island, they had signage up and pamphlets that said, like, these things are not for sale. Uh, Welcome to America. Do not try and buy the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, the thing I've seen bandied about is you can't buy public buildings or streets. And I was like, is, it, is that true? And I looked it up, and I don't know if it's true, Chuck. Well, what do you mean? But which one? Public buildings or streets? The, that they handed out pamphlets that oh. said that on Ellis Island. You don't think because that's true? Don't you think that somebody would have saved that pamphlet and there'd be an image of it on the Internet somewhere? I don't know. That's your reasoning? Shh, <laughs> that's part of it. It also appears in one book in one New York Times article, and the New York Times article prints it from a quote from somebody else who also wrote a book about it. But this. they're the paper of record. Yeah, but I mean... <laughs> the failing New York they, Times. It's also Friday at 5 in uh, the New York Times sometimes. Too. Okay, all right. Well, who knows? It makes for a good story, though. It is a good story, but aren't those the most fun to just deflate? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, I know that it did get harder to sell these public buildings, Uh, I think they were trying to do that up through, like, the 1920s. But, um, you know, people became a little more wise to this thing over the years. Right. Uh, Even though Parker, I believe, in his day sold uh, the Statue of Liberty, Madison Square Garden, Grant's Tomb, 
uh, and the Met. Not bad. <laughs> pretty amazing. No. Imagine buying the Met, too. I'd, you get the, all the art inside, too? You're not going to move the art? No. <laughs> Art's included. Wow, what a deal. Oh, no. What I would have said is, no, no, you don't own the art, but you can. You get a lot of money for charging for the art to be there. <laughs> right. That's true. Uh, what happened to him, though? He got caught, right? Yeah, he finally did. And apparently there was a four strikes and you're out law in New York at the time called the Bombs Laws. And um, they said that if you were convicted of a fourth felony, the judge had no choice but to give you life in prison. And that's what happened to uh, to Mr. Parker. He passed a $150 check that bounced. Supposedly, the Olean Evening Times said that it bounced back with startling elasticity, which is hilarious. Um, and he served the rest of his life in Sing, Sing Sing's prison as a result. After all of those grifts and scams, he, he got life in jail for a $150 bounce check. You know, there were four strikes in baseball at the time, so that all makes sense. Oh, okay. Now it makes sense. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wait a minute. Is that true? <laughs> no. Wouldn't that be funny if that's how the judicial system worked? Like, well, what's baseball doing? <laughs> <laughs> right. What's baseball have to say about Is this? Is it three strikes or four? That's what we'll do. Yeah, you, you can steal first, I guess. Uh, oh, wait, you couldn't steal first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Jeez. I think this one ended uh, in just the best way possible. I think it ended about 30 seconds too late. Uh, short stuff is out, everybody. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.